Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. The Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup. Raymond Barr, a dream, has come true. Featured ahead, McKinnon racing and shoots and scores! Nathan McKinnon! President Jim Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use promo code THPN when you sign up for access to exclusive offers. I am Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet, as always, and we are fresh off of going through probably more emotions than I've been through in the last month following this game, I guess you can call it, against the New York Rangers, where everything happened after the first period. Christian, I'm, I'm still catching my breath. We did that live stream for this one, went very differently from the one we did against the Maple Leafs a week ago. This time we win with the blowout, but I feel like I'm still catching my breath here. Yeah, it was a really fun time on the stream, and it's a lot easier to talk about hockey when your team is not losing 8-3 to three and when you're winning 7-3. to three. Oh, yeah, it, t- it tends to be a lot more fun when you're actually winning those games, and not even just the fact that we put up seven on the New York Rangers, who've turned into one of the better teams in the league so far this season. Just everything that happened in this game, just the range of emotions that we went through being down two to one after the first period when we were playing really well to scoring five unanswered goals in the second period to Nathan McKinnon getting cheap shotted by a guy who shouldn't even be playing in this game after he hospitalized someone the night before. And trust me, I'm going to talk about it in full (laughs) detail because I have some opinions. When we were on the live stream, I was literally putting my hands over my mouth because I I knew that if I speak, I'm going to say something that is going to get me in a lot of trouble. So for those of you who don't know on the live stream, we're we're not encouraged to curse. So for Griffin and I, when that play happened, it was very, very hard not to lose our shit. Yes. A lot of deep breaths, you know, glasses of water and more and more deep breaths, but we will get to that 
in full detail because I have some takes that I held back during that live stream. But even then, we win this game big time, seven to three over the New York Rangers. The Rangers have Adam Huska got his name right first try this time, which I could not do on the entire live stream. I kept saying Adam Werner on the live stream. I, pr- I probably did it like six times on the live stream, honestly. I, c- I kept calling him Adam Warner. Former Avalanche great Adam Warner. Yeah. Uh, I was I was so annoyed at myself during that whole thing, but he makes his debut in this game. I guess we can very start from the top, or I guess we do we want to start with the Flyers. I mean, we kind of just acted like that game didn't happen. Let's let's we're talking about the Rangers. Let's just do the Rangers first. Yeah, we'll do the Rangers first. The the Avalanche finish up their last two games on the road trip. They beat the Flyers seven to five and they beat the Rangers seven to three in this one. No, they, we can't just keep scoring seven goals, right? We keep saying this is unsustainable, but they've been doing it for like a month. Yeah, I want to say it's going to end, but I, I don't know if it's going. I mean, it's going to end. It's going to end. But right now I'm loving, loving the ride. I'm I mean, loving we, the ride. We keep saying it's going to end. Is it? I do, it doesn't seem to look like it. I, I want like it's just not humanly possible for it to continue. Like there's no way it can continue. And you have guys producing that are producing that career clips for them right now. I mean, Kadri played two periods and still had three points. Like that's on that's Nathan McKinnon like stuff. And then you got Logan O'Connor with two goals, like first line Logan O'Connor, by the way. So it's just so crazy. The production, the abs are getting right now from top to bottom. Yeah, and we're still not even completely healthy yet. We're going to be getting JT Comfer back against Detroit, but I kind of expected this to be a, a high-scoring game, you know, like a 4-3, to three, but I still expected like a, a little bit of a defensive lockdown from the Abs who have struggled defensively over the last couple of games and the Rangers who have been much better defensively, especially with a rookie goalie in net. And the first period was about what I expected. Uh, Miko Rantanen opened the scoring in this one after a, going back and forth for a little while with a pretty bad goal on Adam Huska's part. Rantanen shoots it, it hits his pad and then bounces off his pad under his underarm and goes into the net to make it one nothing abs. I thought that was a pretty soft goal, but for Rantanen, that's his 11th of the year. And Nazem Kadri, as he does, picks up another point. Yeah, that goal was a softy. It was good to see the abs finally get a softy goal. It feels like we haven't gotten a softy goal in a long time. Um, but it was a great start. And I really thought the abs played well in that first period. Like outside of a couple of minutes, I thought the abs played a pretty complete first period. Oh yeah. I completely agree. I think we won that first period outside of just the actual score. You had Jacob Truba, who we will talk about later, who unfortunately scored the first goal for the Rangers about two minutes after Ranton and score with a shot from the point that I think um, Kemper was screened on. Also Kemper back in this game, playing his first game since the end of November. I mean, we went through this entire road trip without Darcy Kemper until this very last game and went three, one and one, but he was clearly still a little rusty in this first period. That shot from the point from Truba just beats him. I looked like there was a bit of a screen. Then late in the second period, Nils Lundqvist picks up his first NHL goal on the power play snipes one off, off both bars past Darcy Kemper. I mean, he'd like a save. That's, that's a really good shot. That was a perfect shot. Like that. I don't think Darcy had any chance on that one. Like the first one I would have liked to seen a save, but I think that was, you can attribute that to rust, but man, that second goal was a pretty goal. Yeah. It's a pretty goal. I mean, it's, it's hard to be too mad at a kid scoring his first NHL goal, especially on one as pretty as that. Cause we kind of, 
completely wiped away that memory by the start of the second period. Yeah, the second period was probably the Avs' best period of hockey, I'd say, so far this season. I would say I, I would say this game as a whole, probably one of our better games that we've played so far this season. I'd say probably our best win, period. Yeah, our best win. I know it was against their third-string goalie, and you're playing a team on the second half back-to-back, but you would need to win those games, and the Avs did that. They, they didn't just win this game. They dominated this game. Yeah, I mean, it's what I said on the last show. You need to get a win against a quality team. I just felt like we hadn't had one in such a long time. And granted, we hadn't played one in such a long time. But the gap between Minnesota and Toronto was an entire month. We went through an entire month not really playing any decent teams outside of Dallas, and we lost that game. And to finally pick up a win against a top-five team in the league yeah, they had a, a rookie goalie making his NHL debut, but we've had to deal with that too. So I don't really feel bad. Nope. I don't feel bad at all. I mean, we were down to our fourth string goalie at one point this year. Oh, and people so, didn't give us any breaks. Like, hmm. oh, they should have gotten more goalies. Yeah. Just go get more goalies. Like it's just that easy. Just go <laughs> do it. It's that easy, but it was really good to see the abs come out and play just a dominant game. I would say like the Rangers third goal was another goal that, I mean, who cares? Like you're up six to two, like, it really only affects Darcy's save percentage, but it was just a really good defensive effort. I feel like they turned the puck over a little bit in this game, but not nearly as much as they had been doing. Yeah, there was one time when it was 1-1, the Avalanche on at power play, and Nathan McKinnon just, just turns the puck over, and it leads to a 2-on-0 for the Rangers, which Kemper stands on his head for and keeps the game tied at that point, which really stopped the momentum from shifting entirely in favor of the Rangers. The first period, it was better to be shorthanded than have the power play. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. I mean, McKinnon rarely makes those turnovers. Just so to see him make one was a little terrifying, but that's, that's the benefit of having your first string goalie and is he can bail you out of situations like that. Nothing against Jojo or Yusuf Antonin, but they're not making that save. No chance in hell. Yeah. The one, the one criticism I would have, of this game was there were a lot of, of giveaways in this one. We The stat sheet has us down for seven. It feels like more, honestly, and seven's still a lot. Well, seven, but it feels like five of those turned into high danger scoring chances. They did. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the thing. So it's different if you give it away, but it doesn't turn into a high score, high danger scoring chance, but it seems like every time the abs turn the puck over, it's an immediate high danger scoring chance for the other team. Yeah. And luckily Kemper was able to, to hold the fort the entire way. And speaking of Nathan McKinnon, we're not that yet. Before that, Nathan McKinnon opens the second period with his second goal of the season, his first even strength goal of the season. And this game just kind of got so crazy after this that this goal kind of got lost. This was a crazy goal for Nathan yeah. McKinnon, splitting it, the defense in classic McKinnon style and finishing with a one-hand finish between the legs of Huska to tie this game. I mean, that was nuts. Yeah, it was a crazy goal. I mean, I'm watching it right now on a replay. It is unreal how he gets around. I mean, Keandre Miller's a good defenseman, and he got around him with ease. And you can definitely tell that Huska uh, is not prepared for McKinnon's speed because, yeah, McKinnon, he tried to reach for the puck and open up the five hole, and it was just an easy tapping for McKinnon, but a very skillful play nonetheless. And if McKinnon gets going, man, which he's come close, like it's not like he's not shooting the puck or doing anything like he is. He is going for it, and it's good to see a couple finally go in for him, and hopefully it starts to track a good role here because I said on stream, I think he's still going to get to 30 goals this year. I really do. Yeah, and the way he's shooting, like people are saying, oh, McKinnon's not shooting the puck. Let's Okay, let's take a look at those receipts then. In this game against the Rangers, he had five shots on goal. Against the Flyers, he had eight shots on goal. 
against Ottawa and Montreal. He had three against Toronto. He had five. I mean, those are the all the games he's been back for since he got injured. He's absolutely been shooting the puck as of late. He's just they just haven't gone in for him. Yeah, and I now, still I still think he gets to thirty. I really yeah. do. Now that he's got this one, I'm interested to see how he reacts to it for the rest of the season because his shooting percentage is just astronomically low right now. He's shooting at two point four percent. That is unsustainable. That is absolutely going to increase. I don't know if he's going to hit 30. I think he's going to get pretty close to it because it's it's tough to have two goals in December and still hit 30 because we also just have to remember he had he missed almost an entire month. Yeah, and it's not like he's not producing point-wise. Like, he's still producing point-wise. It's just he may get 100 points with, like, 90 assists at this pace. <laughs> right, and, you know, he picks up his second goal of the season. He's got two goals in 13 games. Like, oh, okay, that's 18 points in 13 games. He's well above a point per game. He's dishing the puck like it's nobody's business. I'm not yeah. concerned at all. Yeah, I'm not. The goals are going to start coming, and when they start coming, they're going to start pouring in, man. But do you, do you want to – should I unleash the beast? Should, should no, we talk? no, not yet. No, not yet? We, got, we still get. We still got to – Get past the other goals first, you know. Okay, we're, we're keeping Griffin in the cage for right now, folks. No, it's because the sooner we talk about it, the more other stuff we're gonna miss. Because we got, <laughs> we got to. There's another. There's a whole game that happened here. So let's. Okay. I'm gonna okay. do my best to cover it. So, Nazem Kadri gets the next goal of this game a little less than two minutes later. A beautiful setup from Kale McCarr. I mean, we kind of glossed over, but we 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 messed with the lines a little bit in this game. We moved Rantanen down to the second line and put Logan O'Connor up on the first line, it could not have worked better. That is oh. the exact result you want out of this game. We'll get some more Logan O'Connor later. Yeah. The second line, I thought, was the best line tonight. Yeah, they were they were outstanding. When you have Kadri and Nachushkin playing like that, moving Rantanen down, quote-unquote, is not even a downgrade. They're, he's playing with players who are playing just as well as McKinnon right now and Landeskog. These are two lines that are producing at almost equal rates at the moment, and I bring that up because Rantanen almost had nothing to do with this goal. This was set up by Val and Kadri. I mean, Rantanen's on the ice for this play, but it's, st- it's still those two driving the action. That's not, it's not a knock on Rantanen whatsoever. Rantanen was one of the best players on the ice in this game. But you have that Nachushkin digging out that puck, getting it to Kale McCarr, and deflected real easily by Nazem Kadri in front of the net to give the Avalanche the lead again. Like It's a perfect setup play. Yeah, it was... It was great, and Kale McCarr just continues to do Kale McCarr things. <laughs> like, what else is there to say? I mean, it's just – it was a really good play, and I love that line. I'm interested to see if Bednar keeps it going when Copper comes back because that second line was really good tonight, like really, yeah. really good. And I don't know after the performance tonight from Logan O'Connor if you can bump him down from the first line. I don't – like, what do you do with Logan O'Connor? He's literally just been too good. You actually have a problem because Logan O'Connor is just crushing all expectations put in front of him. We'll talk about him more when we get to his major contributions to this game in a minute. I also, you brought up Kale McCarr playing great in this game. Today was really our first look at Kale McCarr versus Adam Fox. And after the whole Norris thing last year, because obviously they couldn't play last year. Well, let's, let's take a look at the, the head to head for tonight. Shall we? Let's hear it. Kale McCarr. He gets the assist on this one plus two, two shots on goal, three blocks and a takeaway, 22 minutes on ice. Adam Fox, no points, minus three. Boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it's just the first, it's the first time they've matched up. And Adam Fox, don't get me wrong, he's a great defenseman. No Kale McCarr, though. No Kale McCarr. 
Kale McCarr is one of the best players. I would argue Adam Fox was the third best defenseman on the ice behind Kale McCarr and Devon Taves. Yep. Adam Fox won the Norris last year because Kale McCarr wasn't on the ice for the whole season. Kale McCarr plays the whole season. It's not even a debate. The only knock against Kale McCarr was he missed like 15 games. It's the only knock. I mean, the only knock. Granted, we are extremely biased. I'm sure if we talked to some Rangers fans, they'd say different. But well, we get Rangers to watch fans are also very biased, and we're biased, yeah. but also correct. Yeah, we're like I don't know, Kale McCarr. We watch him every night, and he just does something every night where you're like, that shouldn't be such an easy play. It's, he does he things that no one else in the league can do. I mean, we we really brush past the Flyers game, but he scored the goal of the year for the Avalanche. Yeah. We talked about Newhook having it against the Sens. McCarr beat it the next game. He goes just end to end going through the entire Flyers defense and roofs it over Martin Jones as a defenseman. Like it's, you don't, you don't do that anymore. That just doesn't happen. Did you see the thing that Bednar said today? Peter Baugh asked him this. He was like, how long do you think it would take Kale McCarr to adjust to being a forward in the NHL? And like two periods or something. Yeah, He said two periods. And I, I, I couldn't agree with it more. He's just such a talented player. And we're truly lucky to watch him every night. And tonight was, by his standards, kind of a quiet night for Kale McCarr. Only one point. Yeah, like, only one point setting up a beautiful goal and playing really strong defensively. Three blocks, a takeaway, 22 minutes on ice. I mean, yeah, that's a quiet night for Kale. For, for Kale McCarr, that's a quiet night. Like, that's crazy. Like, that's a really good stat line. But for Kale McCarr, that's a quiet night. That's a beautiful stat line. Yeah. So we get, yeah, we move past that goal. It's 3-2 Avalanche at this point. And we raved about this guy even in the loss to Ottawa. Alex Newhook has now scored in three straight games. He scores this one on the power play, set up by Sam Gerrard and Devon Tays. This like absolutely beautiful. And this is after Nazem Kadri draws a trip on Ryan Reeves, which love that sentence. But Newhook is, he just looks super comfortable at the NHL level right now. It's just the cherry on top to the recent Avs success because Newhook has blossomed into slowly what we thought he would be. And he's scoring right now. He's doing all the things that you needed of him. And taking that time in the AHL, I think, really helped his confidence. And he came back up with a new mentality. And he's played fantastic hockey on this road trip. I'm really excited to see how he plays on Friday. Yeah, it, going down to the AHL was exactly what he needed. It was unquestionably the right call. He needed to get his confidence back because he had a, a tough first two games of the season. And he, and he was clearly in his own head that like, oh, this isn't as easy as I thought it would be. He goes down the AHL, dominates, comes back. He's at six goals already. He's on pace for 20. Like, come on. As a rookie, which as is crazy. And that was another thing, too. We talked about the line mixing. I thought him, Berkey, and Darren Helm was a really good line tonight, too. Dude, we talked about this on the live stream. Darren Helm's just been quietly really good for us. Solid. He's just been solid. He, he had he had his share of scoring chances in this game, too. Like, I, I really rarely ever expected to notice Darren Helm. And to an extent, that's true defensively because he's just done a really solid job. He hasn't looked out of place. And offensively, he's had his opportunities. He scores against Ottawa. He had his looks against the Flyers and he had his looks against the Rangers. I mean, I could not be more happy with Darren Helm for the price we're paying him. Absolutely. He earned those third line minutes. He's been awesome. I'm I'm really interested to see who the odd man out's going to be with Comfort coming back on Friday. I I think we know it's probably going to be Curtis McDermott or Jacob McDonald. It's it's going to be, we are, we kind of already did it with uh, Megna being put on waivers. Yeah. 
like it's going to be like you're just adding even more like JT Confer before he got hurt. People forget he was he was probably the Avs best player. Yeah, he was tied for the team leading goals with five, which is already like more than halfway to what he was last year. Yeah. So it's going to be really interesting. I thought all the lines were rolling tonight. I mean, it was just a really, really good game. And just to tie it back up with Newhook, I, I still think that when the time comes, if you bump him up, to, I still would love to see him on the top line. I really would. I'd be really interested to see how he plays on the top line. I know Logan O'Connor's kind of cemented himself on there right now, but you throw a new hook on that line with the playmaking of McKinnon and Landeskog. Holy cow, man. I think it could be really interesting, but I don't think they're going to do it just with the way LOC is playing, but I would have loved to seen that potential. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not, it's not a bad thing at all to have this kind of talent spread throughout your lineup. I mean, we we were complaining a month ago, like, oh, this this depth just doesn't look very good with like Ranta up here and Newhook down the AHL. You bring Newhook back all of a sudden and you start getting healthier. All of a sudden you can move Ranton down to the second line with Logan O'Connor. We'll get to Logan O'Connor. Trust me, this guy is incredible. And then you have Burakovsky, Newhook, and Helm on your third line, and it's one of the better third lines in the league all of a sudden. You know, your fourth line has like Jacob McDonald and Curtis McDermott on it, but that's when Comfort comes back that's not a thing anymore, you know? And then you have your, your guys like Aubrey Cubell and Jose down there too, that make a really solid hockey team. I mean, Aubrey Cubell has been good since he came to Colorado and Tyson Jost has been no slouch either. So far this season, the points haven't really been there, but that's your fourth line with Jost and Cubell. And then you're going to potentially bump down helm. Maybe once you put comfort back, I mean, that's incredible it's a really good lineup. And if you would have told us that a month and a half ago, we would have told you you were crazy, but it's been a really good lineup these past couple of, I guess this past month and a half, it's been really good. And you're going to add another really good player in JT comfort. So I I'm thoroughly encouraged. I don't know if the Avs are going to make that trade for a second line, like forward or a top six winger. Like we talked about with Drew, like a couple weeks ago, I don't know if it's needed right now. It's going to be interesting to see what Sackett does because if the players keep playing like this, I know Logan O'Connor is Logan O'Connor. He's not going to be a top six forward the rest of the year, but who knows? Maybe he will be. Who knows, man? We have no idea what's going to happen. So I, is, I think is that like he, he isn't in a way. We bumped Berkey down to put him up there. It's not like we are injury concerns right now. He earned his way up there. And the, the, the thing about the second line center was because we were all unsure about Val. Val has been a superstar. Like who are we even trading for at this point? I'm not saying like to trade for no one stand pat and run this team, to the Stanley cup right now it's December. Things can change until March, but I don't know. This team is, is working right now. We looked on the live stream, but the goals that this team has scored, we've scored seven goals five times in the last month. And the times we didn't, we were still scoring six and five. It's been ridiculous, man. I, I think, Sackick's in a good spot right now because you don't need to make the big splash trade, but you can make a trade for a depth forward. Yeah, and like a, like a Vlad Nemesnikov, like I always yeah. bring up. Not saying precisely him, but like that kind of deal. Yeah, you don't need that top six forward. Like you just need a good, solid depth of, depth forward. And I do think, I know we gave Berkey a hard time last episode, but I really do think Berkey's going to figure it out and he's going to round back into the Berkey we all know he can be. And like you said in last episode, he's Mr. Game. He's Mr. Elimination Game. Right? Yeah. There's no better elimination game player than Berkey right now. So I I do think the Avs make a trade for a uh, depth forward, but I I don't know, man. Like right now this team's rolling. 
yeah, I mean, and look where this conversation has shifted all of a sudden. We need to get a guy to now we're asking who's getting bumped out if you're trading for a guy. Are you taking out Darren Helm? I don't think so. He's been playing out. You're taking out are Joe Thoroughbake Bell. Are you like... taking out Tyson Joes? Like maybe I'll bake you Bell, maybe. But yeah. like those are the kind of caliber guys we're talking about just taking out of the lineup. We're not talking about Megna anymore and Kiefer Sherwood. Like it's it's been great to finally see this team just finally get healthy like we've needed. And we're so, so close to 100% healthy. And God damn it, we're still not going to get there because we'll get to it. We're going through this game in sequential order. We're, we'll get to it probably in two hours once we're done the McKinnon thing. <laughs> but yeah, the, we'll talk about Kadri and his thing in a little bit. So yeah, I, I guess, was it next up on the goal sheet then? Was that Logan O'Connor, two goals in 22 seconds? Yes. Next up on the goal sheet, but not next up in events. Oh, yeah. Did you want it? We unleashing the beast right now? We're at that point in the game. All right. So. All right. Let's unleash the beast. Everyone buckle up. Okay. If you're listening in the car, make sure you got two hands on the steering wheel. It's about to get wild. Yeah. So we get to, we're in the second period. We're up 4 2 at this point. And Jacob Truba, to set the, let's set the stage a little bit. 24 hours ago, the New York Rangers are playing the Chicago Blackhawks. And in the second period of that game, Jacob Truba lays a hit on Jujar Kara that sends him crumpled to the ice, smashing his head onto the ice and has him stretchered off and sent to the hospital. Now you watch the replay of this hit and you, you see the argument that it was clean. Now, Jacob Truba hit Jujar Kara in the head, arguably with his forearm as well. And he was unconscious before he hit the ice. I don't know where the, the argument comes from that it was in the chest, but nevertheless, we move on the argument was that Kara had his head down and it was his fault. And that's why he wasn't suspended because Kara put himself in a vulnerable position to be hit, even though that is an archaic argument and borderline caveman-esque. Regardless, Kara was hospitalized and was released from the hospital this morning. So Jacob Truba, despite all that, is playing tonight, the very next night, despite the fact that he should have received some supplemental discipline. He did not. He scores in the first period of this game, which was annoying enough. And then in the second period, Nathan McKinnon is chasing a puck. The puck gets behind him. He's looking at the puck behind him. He turns around and Jacob Truba hits him in the head. And McKinnon goes to the ice holding his head because he just got hit in the head. I, I emphasize hit in the head because this is somehow a debate that he didn't hit him in the head. He hit him in the head. Truba hits him in the head and McKinnon goes down. And Landeskog goes to fight Jacob Truba as McKinnon is taken to the locker room by concussion spotters. Christian, what gets me worked up about this, there are, there's a lot of layers to this. Number one is that Jacob Truba should not have been playing in this game. I'm not saying he should have been suspended for 20 games, but you can't let a hit like that against Jujar Kara just be victim blamed and go unpunished. It's a very bad hit that is going to that literally put Jujar Kara in the hospital and is going to be on injured reserve for at least the next week or so. And Kara has suffered through concussions in the past, and that could arguably be one of his worst ones that needs some kind of discipline. The fact that the very next night he comes and hits Nathan McKinnon with another headshot in less than 24 hours, excuse me for not giving him the benefit of the doubt, but that's a little crazy. Christian, I need to take a breath. So Yeah, no, you're good. I, I guess my frustration with the hit is, yes, McKinnon's head was down. Yes, he did 
was, was it that down? I don't think it was that down. It was. It was. I watched the replay. So it, it, it was down, but he still hit him in the head. Regardless of the situation, whether you think it's a clean hockey hit or a bad hockey hit, those are the hits we are trying to take out of the game. We don't need players getting concussions because we've seen the damage that concussions cause long-term to these players. I mean, look at Bo Byram. He's 20 years old and he's had three documented concussions in the past year. Like that could ruin this young man's life. Um, McKinnon's no stranger to his head injuries himself. I mean, I referenced the Gabriel Landeskog at athletic post a couple of years ago about his dark time with his concussion early in his career. It, it's a scary thing. Um, and you have a player going out there who's potentially caused two concussions to two different players in two nights. Um, we need to protect the players. And most importantly, the NHL, the reason why you're so popular is because of players like Nathan McKinnon. He is an electric player and you need him on the ice. We don't need him taking those type of hits. And we were talking a little bit off air. Every other sport has kind of changed the way they've played. Uh, we, we talk about the NFL. The NFL is probably the most equal in contact to the hockey, would you say? I'd say, well, football is built around contact, so I yeah. would certainly say so. Yeah. But to your point, they have cracked down on roughing the passer and leading with the crown and hitting people in the head because of what we have discovered with concussions over the last decade or so. And I don't ever want to hear it from the NHL or hockey fans about how it's not that big a deal after the NHL tried to bury the CTE lawsuits with those pathetic settlements. It really shows just how much the NHL gives a shit about player safety and concussions. So I don't want to hear it. I don't care what the rule says. I don't, I don't really care that McKinnon had his head down. The onus is on the guy laying the hit, not the guy getting hit. McKinnon on that play has a puck go behind him. He's looking at the puck. Believe it or not, he is trying to play the sport. He's looking at it and the puck is going in front of him. He's getting, he has visual line on the puck. He's looking back up now that he has possession of it. And Truba's hitting him in the head. Nathan McKinnon did not mind control Jacob Truba and make him do that. Jacob Truba made the conscious decision, seeing Nathan McKinnon in a vulnerable position, to lay that hit. That can't happen. It's, it's really that simple. The guy laying the hit is responsible for the hit that he laid. Nathan McKinnon gets paid a lot of money to score goals and play hockey. Every time you're on the ice and every time your eyes drift down for a second, you should not be thinking, I might get a traumatic brain injury here. The onus is on Jacob Truba to not do if I don't, if the fact that his head downs makes it worse, you, you see that you see him in a vulnerable position and you're laying that hit anyway. That's gross. It, it's pretty bad. And I hate to keep referencing football because it's a totally different sport, but it's very similar. I mean, in the NFL now, if a defensive player hits a player who's, in a defenseless position, which you can argue McKinnon's in a defenseless position there, it's a 15-yard penalty. And the part that pissed me off most is Landis Gog does his job as captain. He stands up for the arguably top three player in the NHL, fights him, and the Avs are the only one to go on the penalty kill in that whole situation. Makes zero sense to me. Zero yeah. sense. Landis Gog gets unsportsmanlike conduct for standing up for his top five player in the NHL, the best player on his team, and Jacob Truba went completely unpenalized for it. And the Rangers had the power play after hitting Nathan McKinnon in the head. I, I, I was zero sense. Christian, I cannot emphasize enough how close I was to blowing up on stream. 
I, I, li I literally had my hands over my mouth because I was on the verge of saying some things that I was going to heavily regret because I was mad. Uh, I was big time mad too. It, it was, I think I was doing it for those we're not video right now, but my hands were just in the air and it was, it was bad, dude. It, it's just, you, I, I know people are going to say, Oh, it was a clean hit, blah, 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 blah. But imagine if that's your star player. Imagine if the Rangers, if that was Artemi Panarin getting hit like that. Oh, you don't have to imagine. You've seen what happens when they get touched in New York. We have a month-long discussion about player safety and how broken it is. But Jacob Truba can hospitalize someone and almost give one of the best players in the league a concussion the very next night. And all of a sudden, the NHL rules are fine. Player safety is fine. You know, and the thing is, People are like, oh, you need to learn the rules. You're soft. You know what? The rules suck and the rules are broken. That's a head hit. And the NHL does not protect their players from head hits. Just because it's not in the rule book does not mean it's right. The rules are wrong and broken. We Have we not learned that the NHL doesn't do things right over the last year? Over everything that we've seen, have we not learned over the last three months? Culture? Over the last three months, <laughs> yeah, that the NHL and hockey culture as a whole is broken. But we're going to give them a pass on head hits, like they do that right. Give me a break. Yeah, I I don't agree with it, and it's it's going to be just a really interesting way they handle this situation. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing. There's nothing coming. I can nothing He didn't even you get a penalty. Could you imagine if Nazem Kadri did that? I was going to get to that at the very next point. Imagine if Nazem Kadri did that to Artemi Panarin. 20-game suspension. He's in prison. They would arrest <laughs> him on the ice. They would bring out arena security and bring him off the ice in handcuffs. But the standard is different for different players because when you can't get likes for standing up for player safety, people don't do it. So when the Kadri's do it or the Wilson's do it, or even Marshans and Reeves to an extent do it, then you can put it out there and get some likes. But when a Jacob Truba does it, cares, right? He's can't, not he a dirty player. You can't have that blow up. You know, you can't get some likes for that. Be cons really That's all I ask good. about people sometimes. <laughs> Be consistent about player safety. That's it. I think you're asking too much, Griffin. <laughs> I th you know what? And you're totally right, because I am. And we got lucky because McKinnon came back in the third period and seems to be all right. But as we know, with traumatic brain injuries, sometimes they surface later, as we saw with Bo Byram. He played yeah. an entire hockey game and then had to sit out again because they came back. Head injuries are not black and white. And I just, it really does frustrate. This is, I'm madder about this than I've been about any loss this entire season because it, I'm, I absolutely deserve to be. This is a complete... An utter joke. I don't care that McKinnon had his head down. And I don't care that the NHL is going to victim blame and say that it was McKinnon and Kara's fault. That's wrong. It is objectively wrong. I don't care that, like, oh, I need to learn the rules or anything. He hit him in the head, you dick. Come on. <laughs> uh, you get that out of your system, you feel better now? No. No, not feel better. Yeah. It's going to keep mean, happening. Yeah, we could talk about this for an hour and a half. This could be a whole episode if you really wanted it to be. It really but, could be. But let's let's move on. Let's go to uh, your boy, LOC, scoring one of the like dirtiest goals I think I've seen in a while with that toe drag. 
we've just had some nasty goals lately. Yeah. And Logan O'Connor just he he made Keandre Miller just look silly in this. Poor Keandre Miller tonight. Keandre Miller had a rough night. I mean, come on. But he dances past Keandre Miller and snipes on Huska with the prettiest goal he's ever scored by far. And he makes it five to two. Like, where has this been for him? I mean, who is this guy? I think we saw it a little bit in the Dallas series when he got kind of unleashed in that series. And then sadly last year he got hurt or else I think we could have expected this last year and that contract for him. I think it's what three years, 1.2 million or something like that. Yeah. I think it's like 1.05 and it hasn't even started yet. It kicks in next year. That's looking like a real tasty contract. I I think he can be to the abs kind of what Chandler Stevenson is for Vegas. He adds that speed. He adds that defensive ability. And I think he could, he could fill that role and that's what you need. You need those depth players who can play up or play down. They can do whatever they want. Oh, Logan O'Connor just hits me as your stereotypical playoff hero. Just the kind of guy that lives on in folklore. Cause he does, he's going to do nothing but score big goals in the playoffs. I mean, it looks weird from maybe an outside fan perspective. It's like who's O'Connor and why is he on the top line? Logan O'Connor is the hardest worker on this team. And it, it gets shown night after night after night. And this He's finding some skill. He's finding some finish now. And he he fits shockingly well on that top line with McKinnon and Landeskog. He works super hard and gets them that puck. And as he's showing now, he has the ability to finish. Yeah, he's been fantastic. I I would argue he's outside of Nazem Kadri, he's been a top five player for us this year. Yeah, in term and like he might not be in like points or goal scoring or whatever. But he absolutely has been in terms of giving it his all every night. I'd say there's been nobody better. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's hard to disagree because I, I think it's true. So I've really enjoyed Logan O'Connor. And even the best part about it is, man, not even 22 seconds later, uh, Logan O'Connor scored again on a beautiful breakaway goal. Like, I, I thought it was McKinnon out there for a second. I really did. Yeah, he comes right back out there on the ice 22 seconds later and gets a breakaway bounce off the boards and scores again on Adam Huska. And before we get it gets lost in the, the Logan O'Connor phrase, Curtis McDermott did two things very well in a short span of time. He gets his first point as an ab on the first O'Connor goal, and then he steps on the ice to beat the piss out of Jacob Truba and lets o'connor get away for an unimpeded breakaway i mean curtis mcdermott had the perfect stat line tonight he picked up a point he was a plus two and he only played three minutes and he also beat up jacob truba yeah worth it worth every draft pick we traded for him already every mean thing we've said about him perfect that's that's exactly what he's here for if he does that every time he's on the ice i have no complaints it's when he sucks that i have a problem but he didn't tonight. He was good. He's been good the last couple of games outside of Philly. He's good when he's a forward. Like we've talked about, when he's not the last line of defense, he's a solid fourth line. I wouldn't say he's solid, but he's he's Passable. palatable. Yeah, he's palatable. Like yeah. he's he's not bad on the palate. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was great. I thought Curtis McDermott, that was exactly why he was in the lineup. He did his job and he, I love it. Almost reminded me. I know this is going to be a little, I'm going to date myself here because I don't know how many fans remember this, but maybe not date myself. But it reminded me a little bit of when Darren McCarthy went after Claude Lemieux and how Claude Lemieux kind of turtled. That's what I thought Jacob Truba did tonight. He kind of turtled when 
he realized Curtis McDermott had a hold of him. Yeah, and he was he was talking real tough once the officials separated them. I found that very very interesting. Yeah, it was it was hilarious. So, um, I really don't know what else to say about this game other than it was an awesome game for the abs. Yeah. And you got these two Logan O'Connor goals in 22 seconds that completely put the game away and just beautiful, beautiful momentum changers and beautiful momentum builders for Logan O'Connor. He's really auditioned himself for a top six role. I mean, he fits everywhere in the lineup, fourth line, third line, second line, third line. I bet you put him in goal and he'd be just fine. I mean, the guy, yeah, the guy just has done nothing wrong so far this season. So you go into the third period, six to two, you're feeling good. And then Peter Ball, as he does, tweets out the bad news. Nazem Kadri will not return after sustaining a lower body injury. And, you know, at this point, even after the two O'Connor goals, I'm, I'm still worked up. I'm still boiling. This is before we find out McKinnon's back. And I'm I'm so ready to just end the stream at that point and just like scream off my balcony because even though we're winning, I am in agony at the moment. But McKinnon is back for the third period. Kadri does not return for this game. Still finishes with three points, which is insane. Yeah. So he's scoring at in a superstar pace. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with this latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner if just a single point is scored in the game of your choosing. That's right. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score, period, that's it, just to score, can win $100 in free bets. It really is just that simple. And if DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your states, you can still get in on the NFL action every week with huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And that's not all, because DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. All you got to do is put a little bit of money in the account and you have a free shot at millions of dollars. That's all you have to do. So to get in on the action, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, back to the episode. He's on pace for 100. Over, yeah. Which is crazy, just like we all predicted. We all predicted Logan O'Connor having a top six role, and we all predicted Nazem Kadri having 100 points. Yeah. Just like we did. Yeah. But now we have to wait for news if Kadri is okay. Because we're getting comp for back next game. That's happening. He's playing against Detroit next game. And outside of Ryan Murray and Bo Byram, we're completely healthy. Our offense should be completely healthy. So one period away from that, Nazem Kadri, of course, has to go out with something, which is concerning because he missed the Ottawa game with a lower body injury. And hopefully this isn't the same one because like, 
even if he does get hurt, this could stop all the momentum when he comes back. Like this could yeah. completely shut him down. Like I certainly hope not, but man, that's a, that's, that's especially brutal. If that's like any sort of term. I just, I, I don't know. It, it's I'm hoping it was just a ding and cause they were up six two, they just didn't feel the need to put him back out there. Um, because once again, I didn't see anything that was concerned. I mean, he had that one fall into the boards that I remember that was back in the first period. You remember that at the beginning of the game? Yeah, he had that one awkward tumble and he got tripped up by Reeves on that penalty, but he played the rest of the period. So I don't know. Hopefully it's nothing serious. Um, I'm also hopeful. Maybe we, we haven't heard any Bo Byram news. That's because they they sent him home from the trip and they'd get more updates when they came back. Um, apparently, I, I don't know if that's I'm not even going to say it because I don't know if it's a true report or not. Um, but it's not concussion, which is good, but it's another supposedly another head symptom. I heard vertigo. That's not better. I know. Way worse. I know. I know. That is concussion. Yeah, that's what they – like I said, I don't know if that's a true report or not, but that's what I've heard. That's um, horrific. Yeah. So apparently that's what he's – he's apparently I'm putting quotations, but that's what's going through. Um, so I don't, I, I don't expect Byron back for a while, um, which is really big, big-time bummer because the kids – the kid's a top four defenseman in this league if he can stay healthy. He's just that good. So prayers up to Bo and Byron that he can get healthy and we don't want to rush him back. And we're kind of in a good spot right now where you don't need to rush him back. So let him take his time. Let him get completely healthy. But hopefully we get a better update tomorrow after practice. But, yeah, I mean, it was it, – it, it's a bummer for Kadri and hopefully we uh, it's nothing too serious. Yeah, and with the Bo Byron stuff, like if, if he's dealing with vertigo, I don't want to see him back anytime soon. He needs to stay healthy. It's like mm-hmm. it sounds like we rushed him the first time. Like he's got a whole life ahead of him, man. He's younger than me. Like yeah. it's it's horrible when you really think about it. Like this is a 20-year-old kid dealing with vertigo yeah. after his he hasn't has he played 40 games in the NHL? Like no, I think he's under I think he's just under. I think he's at like 29 or 30. He's not at much. God and I, I missed out on this rant a couple episodes ago, but I really saw people saw, calling him soft. Like the kid can't handle the NHL. Like kick rocks if you're saying that. These are concussions. I, I forget who had the exact quote, but it's one of my favorites of all time. Some reporter asked, like, "Are you prone to concussions?" It, no, I'm prone to traumatic blows to the head. Like <laughs> con- concussions aren't bones. It's not a bone that is like prone to being broken easier. It's not a dislocated shoulder that dislocates easier each time concussions are the is the rattling of the brain that's not a thing that can just be prevented by being tougher these guys aren't robots like come on it'd be cool if they were but they it'd be cool if they were but they're not they're human beings with families like and lives ahead of them i know they make a lot of money but come on guys let's have a little respect yeah that stuff genuinely bothers me that's my biggest pet peeve about sports. You're soft because your brain gets rattled. Yeah, you're yeah. soft. <laughs> I love that. It but, really does genuinely like unsettle me. Yeah. Yeah. What are you getting? Like people are, that's the, there's a great part about the internet and there's a really bad part. The internet can be a dark, dark place, but it also can be a fun, hilarious place. And uh, when it comes to head injuries, I feel like it's just, it's almost worse than politics, Twitter. I feel like sometimes. Yeah. Like people, be, I had a concussion when I was, when I was 10 and I'm perfectly fine. It's like, yeah, but well, clearly not. If you're talking yeah. about that. So I don't know. 
we could, like I said, we could go on a whole other episode about that, but maybe one day we'll just release a bonus episode where I just scream into the mic for five hours. Yeah. We just call it Griffin's rants, the yeah. anti AMSR. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just, I'm peaking the microphone for six straight hours about yeah, we, just everything. And you just put it on when you're trying to go to sleep. It just helps you sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, uh, finally. <laughs> Someone yeah. agrees. Maybe yeah. we, can, we can finish out this game real quick. Filipino makes it 6 3. No one cares. Miko Rantanen, his second goal of the game, 7 3, set up by Eric Johnson and Obey Kubel. The Avalanche were just in complete control of this one, and they did not let this game slip away. I mean, the only thing was apparently Darcy Kemper still hasn't gotten equipment that fit, fits him properly because it wasn't his skates this time, it was his pad that just came off. And he Jonas had Johansson came back in, bumping up that save percentage. Mojo comes man. in, and uh, it's so funny looking at his stat line. One shot against, one save, and I remember exactly what it was. It was a backhander from outside the blue line that got blocked and slowly trickled towards him, which he saved. That was his shot against. But yeah, Kemper. Jojo. Kemper, I don't know what's happening. Like, you can't make this up. For, when, he, when he was healthy earlier his skate blade kept coming out. And now this time it's not his skate blade. His pads started falling apart. Like where yeah. do we get this stuff? Do we get like, do we get this from the closed down sales at sports authority? Like unbelievable. Where do we buy this guy some proper gear, please? It's just so like, it's funny when you win, like when that was happening, when we were losing, it was like, come on guys. But now we're winning. It's kind of just like, ah, it's not a big deal. But, yeah, because it happened right after Filipino scored. Like, if that's like a one goal game and that goal just tied it, it'd be a lot less funny. But we yeah. were up by three. Yeah, it, it was, it, it was, it really is just comical at this point. Like, yeah, I feel bad for him. Yeah, you got to feel bad for him. I mean, he comes back in this game. It's so weird when you look at because he still finishes game sub 900, even though he was great in this game. There's always just that one goal that pushes him below 900 on the night that yeah. always pushes his stats down and makes him look worse than he actually is. But he was, well, that's what, that's why you can't look at stats because there were a couple, I mean, you, you mentioned that two on O breakaway was a huge save. Yeah. It count, save. Counted for two saves. Yeah. Like ridiculously good save. And that's the benefit of having a number one goaltender like Darcy Kemper. So yeah, it was, it's hilarious. And I'm glad Kemper's back and hopefully he continues to, his strong play because he was having a good year. Um, he had a rough couple games before his injury. Maybe that break was good for him, but I still think he's going to be a great goaltender for us in the playoffs. I really do. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've, I have no concerns about Darcy Kemper. He shook off the rust and was outstanding in the rest of this game, but that's pretty much it. The avalanche win this one, seven to three. I say that's pretty much it. Like I didn't just go through my entire range of emotions again, this <laughs> game, but yeah, this was uh, certainly an interesting game, to say the least. I'm I'm never going to be happy about or accept that that Jacob Truba hit is okay. It's not. I don't care that the rules say it's okay. It's not. You can't hit people in the head. The IHF has it right, where any head hit is penalized. And look, I'll do, I'll do this real quick before we wrap. Any hit to the head should be penalized. Because you know what it will incentivize players to stop doing? hitting people in the head. If you see someone's head in a vulnerable position, you know that you do not have the leeway to get away with it. If you want to protect your players in the game, get head hits out entirely. I mean, if it's 
avoidable. It should absolutely be penalized every time. There's no reason for Jake Wade to have walked away unscathed from that. After hospitalizing Jujar Kara the night before, walking away with no penalty, no fine, no hearing, no suspension, and to do it the next night to Nathan McKinnon, no penalty, no fine, no suspension, that's wrong. Uh, Jacob Trouba is not the victim here. He did both of those things. He is not a victim of poor posture for other players. He laid those hits to the head and they should be punished. And I would say that about anything else. If it didn't happen to McKinnon, if it happened to someone else in the league, I'd say the same thing. I watched that thing with Kara last night. I'm like, that's absolutely a head hit and should be punished. I know I sound biased, but you, I'm sorry that I believe you need to protect your players. You're crazy, man. You're crazy. Yeah, I'm, appa- I'm apparently nuts that I don't want my favorite athletes to have motor functions when they're 50 years old. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's so out there. It's you're crazy, man. I'm you're crazy, crazy. Apparently that's so it's, it's such a clean hit. Like I told you this off air, but like when we were done the live stream and I turned up the volume on NHL network, all they were talking about was how clean it was. And I, I wanted to scream I'm like, what are you talking about? It's in front of your face. He hit him in head. They're old in school hockey guys. Head. I don't care that it's old school. Old school hockey, sorry to break it to you guys, was bad. The hockey culture that came from it was broken. It's not good. The hockey that came from it was boring. And the, the amount of injuries that came from it were substantial. It's not something we should try to emulate anymore. I don't, I don't disagree with you one bit. I, it's, it's just the way people are wired for sure. I think people think of hockey as the man's sport because it is a manly sport. Like players will take a puck in the face and they're like, I'm good. Get me back out there. Yeah. And that's one, that, that's one thing, you know, yeah. you, it's impossible to avoid head injuries in contact sports. I will absolutely succeed that you're going to get hit in the face with pucks, but you can protect your players by trying to get head hits out of the game. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying like, is it really that out there to just be like, why don't we try to protect these guys? I don't care if it's Nathan McKinnon or Jason Magna. It doesn't matter where they are in the lineup. Just protect your guys. Make sure these guys have lives when they're done hockey. We don't like, we're learning about CTE and everything and the long-term effects of concussions. And the NHL has made their stance very clear that they do not give a shit. They don't care. They've made that apparent with the, the lawsuits and how they've thrown them away and gone for settlements you know this this we can try to ignore it as much as we can but there is going to come a point where this comes back on not just the nhl but the nfl and all other contact sports once we see the full-term damage that these guys have suffered so we can sit here and be like it's mckinnon's fault it's kara's fault keep your head up there's a reckoning coming in more ways than one for the nhl i will leave it at that i don't think that's crazy to say apparently it is apparently i am just absolutely nuts (laughs) maybe i am i don't know but i'd rather be nuts than think that headshots are cool (laughs) but regardless i guess we we really did brush over the flyers game i mean we can't the rangers game was just kind of so nuts that we're like oh flyers game who cares was seven to five i mean there was a few things that did happen in this game, the first period four to three after 20 minutes, the highest scoring first period for any game so far this season. And yeah, and you've got Anandan making his debut in this game. He technically made his debut against the Senators, but his first like NHL start. And we really had no idea 
how this game was going to go. And the Flyers are a fucking mess. They fire Alain Vigneault that morning and their assistant coach, Michelle Therrien, and put Mike Yo at the helm for, granted, not full-time, interim basis, but holy shit, that's not any better. Mike Yo is a really bad coach. And the Flyers were 07 or 06 and two in their last eight games coming into this one. And they looked like it. They got the first goal of the game from Claude Giroux. Then it was four unanswered for the avalanche before even the end of the first. And we talked about the Kale McCarr goal, unbelievable end to end goal and a flyers defense that just looked totally unprepared. Yeah, it was, I, I joke about it. I mean, we can talk about Eustace and and he, he could be a very good goalie in the future. He is not ready for the NHL yet. No. And that's not against him. That's not, he's 21 years old. He is not ready for the NHL. He was put in a situation that was not a great one coming in. Um, I think if Darcy Kemper plays that game, maybe Pablo Francois, the abs are up four, one. I'd, I'd probably, yeah. Four, one, the, the Giroux goal was McDermott's fault. And that yeah. was just a really pretty snipe, but the Avalanche, they dominated this period after that. And with literally less than five minutes left, they're up four to one. We go to the second period, it's four to three. I mean, and Eustace Anand, he is still the future of this team. He's only 21 years old. He's only a, like a few months older than me. He's got a lot to learn still. And it's not a bad thing to get shelled a little bit in the NHL and then go back down to the minors and adjust your game. But the ultimate thing is he did get the win in this game. We won this game seven to five. And Val Nachushkin made it five to three in the second period with his seventh of the year. Got a little close with Cam Atkinson making it five to four in the third. But then he got Kadri and Jost putting the game away to make it seven four. And they got a meaningless shorthanded goal with like 90 seconds left after a Kale McCarr turnover. Ananen, considering the circumstances, did what he needed to do. The Avalanche are potent offensively. And all they needed was for Ananen to not give up seven. And he didn't. He led in five. He He lived five. Yeah. And even then, he made some mistakes in this game just bad reads on the puck bad reads on cross crease passes not all of them were his fault not saying he was dog shit but clearly has a lot to learn and he showed some good raw ability like just the ability to read plays and make some attempts to get over he has a lot to learn in the hl goalies aren't ready until they're like 25 like we're probably not seeing this guy starting for at least four years he's got a long way to go that's just how goalies work to see him already getting nhl experience is not a bad thing yeah and there's a very there's very few goaltenders who can come in the league right away and make a difference mark andre Fleury. um i mean you could i was gonna say carter hart but he's really struggled the past two years um you need that seasoning time in the AHL and in the AHL and it's been good. He was the goalie of the month last month. So obviously something's working for him in the AHL and this is still his first year playing on North American ice. They were referencing that on the broadcast a lot about how he's hasn't been on North American ice that long. And I thought Pierre McNabb did a really good job of talking about it on the broadcast. He was saying how uh, the sight lines and the angles you take on North American ice are different than you would take in European ice. So it's going to take some time, some seasoning, but I agree with you. His, his raw abilities there. He made a couple really good saves, but he's still not ready for the NHL. And that's not a bad thing at all. No, not, not whatsoever. He's 21 years old, already getting that opportunity. We only drafted him in 2018. Like, yeah, he has a long way to go, but this is just another step in his development. The plan for this season was never to have Eustace Annan on the ice, but Kemper goes down and Francois has been out since the preseason. And, 
Jojo played three games at that point and was only good in one of them. You, you had to put him in at some point. Like you couldn't just leave him on the sidelines forever. So not a bad thing to get that NHL experience. You get your one game, you go back down and you, once you face NHL competition, it'll probably seem a little easier to go up against the, the minors again. Yeah. He's going to be, he's going to be really good. I, I do think so. He's a big goalie. Um, a six, four. Yeah. I mean, he's a big goalie. He's, he's going to be good. He was really good in the Finnish league. Um, I'm excited to see him. It was good to see him up there. He has one of the sweetest uh, pad setups in the NHL. His pad setup with the abs is gorgeous. That maroon and blue is a beautiful look on uh, some a set of pads, but I, I don't really have much else to say. I mean, he struggled, but that's to be expected for a 21 year old goalie in the first NHL game facing a team that was desperate for a win. Yeah. And the Flyers, just not a very good team right now. They lose again tonight to the Devils. They are 0-8-2 in their last 10 games. They're another 10-game losing streak in the NHL after the Islanders snapped theirs last night against Ottawa. I mean, good God. This has just been brutal for some teams in the Metropolitan. You know, we can wrap real quick, but I just want to bring up something that we talked about on the stream about how the Coyotes are about to get locked out of their own arena because they aren't making the payments. How is that real? Like we, we were on the broadcast and we just got out of like a two minute break and I brought it up to you. We were both incredulous at it. Like how, it made is, no sense. how is that real? How is an NHL team in danger of getting booted from their own arena? That's that, that, that feels like a parody, like a Mr. Booth tweet. It, it, that's what I truly thought it was. I thought you were fucking with me. I really did. I thought you were fucking with me when you told me that on the stream, I didn't know how to react. I it's crazy to me because we talked about it on the stream too. I, I went to Hillary Hill river arena last year for a couple abs coyotes games. It's a pretty good setup. I mean, you go out there, you got the state farm stadium where the football team plays and a bunch of bars right around. There. It's a really good spot to go watch a game and hang out. And I, they were one of the few teams that had attendance all year last year. And I, I don't know, man, like, is, is that team that desperate to leave? Or are they going to go play in the, uh, uh, Arizona state hockey arena, which only seats like 4,000 people. Like what is an NHL team going to do? Yeah. And the thing was coming into the season, we knew they were getting booted this season just because of whatever's going on there. We didn't think we'd have to have this conversation in December where they're pretend like when has this ever been a conversation where like there might not be a game played because there's no arena like for December 23rd, I think they're playing the lightning I mean, maybe it's just better for them to skip that game altogether still, but oh, it's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. Uh, Katie Strang wrote an outstanding article for in the athletic, which I was desperately trying to scroll through on stream while also trying to talk, but it's, it's ugly in Arizona right now. And I highly encourage you guys to go listen to the sporty with Corey and Richie podcast who cover the coyotes for us on the hockey podcast network. Those who listen to me in the summer know that I brought them on and talked about their arena situation and their rebuild and everything. They believe that once this team moves to Tempe, everything's fine. They need a place to stay, and they've always been at odds with the, the city. And a lot of this is the city's fault, too. But also for the people who bring up relocation, as dumb as it may be and as headstrong as it may be from the NHL to keep doing this, as long as there is an owner that is willing to keep the Coyotes in Arizona, they're not going to move. They're... The, th the reason why the Thrashers moved to Winnipeg is because 
There was no interest in keeping that team in Atlanta. No one wanted to buy that team anymore. And the only people that did were the people in Winnipeg who eventually bought it and moved them there. That's why that happened. The, the NHL has dug their feet in on this. And if they haven't moved them by now, it's really going to take a lot for them to step in and move this team. Yeah. I, I still hold steadfast that if you're going to move a team, it's got to be out of a desperate situation. It's got to be to a place with an arena already built and with a fan base that's already there. I, I think it would be a mistake to move the Coyotes to Houston, which has been the big hot topic. Houston doesn't have a hockey hotbed. It's not like Houston's big there. I mean, if you're going to move it anywhere, we there are a couple people who said on stream, Halifax would be cool. The thing, um, the thing is, is you might have just described Quebec. Oh, dude, Quebec would be awesome. But I, I, I want Quebec to get their own team and they start from the, the, the like scratch. I'd want them to be like a Seattle because Quebec rightfully deserves a team. I, I'm thankful that the Avs moved from Quebec here because or else I wouldn't have a team to cheer for. But Quebec is very deserving of a hockey team, without a doubt. Yeah, and the thing with Arizona is it gets lost in the conversation that it's one of the biggest markets in terms of population in the country. If I remember right, isn't it like one like the fourth biggest city in the it's United big. States? It's, it's there. It's, it's even. It's I think it's like one behind Houston, which is the other city that we're talking about here. It's hard to give up on that market, really. Like it's it's not Arizona's fault. The team sucks. Yeah, the team has the sucked problem. for a long time. I mean, we look at, like you look at a city like Pittsburgh. They're not a huge market, and there were there was talks about Kansas City before they got Sidney Crosby. Look what happened when they started winning. We talking about them moving? Absolutely not. They just they, got, they just they sold, just sold for how much? Nine hundred million dollars a couple yeah. weeks ago. And look at the Florida Panthers. You know, everyone's always like the Panthers need to move. The Panthers need to move. You know, we're not talking about it anymore. The Panthers don't need to move because now they're winning, and now they're they're not drawing huge crowds. Yeah, they're still not drawing big crowds. <laughs> but that's the thing. We're not talking about relocation. You mm-hmm. know, maybe they should build a new arena in Miami, but. We're not talking about move this stupid team to Quebec. Who cares? The Hurricanes. Are we talking about the Hurricanes relocating anymore? No, because they're winning. If you win games, the negative press goes away. It's that simple. And that's Carolina went from being potentially moved to one of the top five fan bases of the NHL in the span of like three years. Sure. We'll say that. I mean, like they have a rabid fan base, man. I know. I've dealt with them. Yeah. They're, oh, yeah, you have. Sorry. I forgot about that. They're, they're a new rabid fan base. So, I mean, Winning cures all. To quote Futurama, belligerent and numerous. <laughs> so I, it, it's a crazy story. I, I, I said that backwards, best. but whatever. <laughs> I'm hoping best for the Coyotes fans because Coyotes fans, if you're a Coyote fan, respect. Um, I feel so. I feel like genuinely so sorry for them. Like yeah. they, they don't. They're act. They're actually good fans. Like people are like, oh, Arizona doesn't have fans, and to an extent, they don't draw very well in Arizona. But the fans they do have. Imagine this is your team, and you're still here. Like you have every right in the world to be like, fuck you. I'm moving my dollar somewhere else, and they're still going. Yeah, and they're, they're still going. They have sweet jerseys. So it's. I don't know, man. I feel bad for him. I really do. You know, and the thing about it is I just brought up winning solves everything. They're not going to win anytime soon. They're in the middle of a complete and utter teardown. They're not going to start winning for like five more years. And that's if they nail their picks, but they have a lot of the picks, but 
they they got to get them right first. They don't have a team at the moment. They're going to have like three players on their team next year that are still under contract. Yeah, but that's the thing is for the first time in a long time, Coyotes fans have hope. Like you start that rebuild, you at least have hope that it's going to work out. And hope is a beautiful thing and a dangerous thing at the same time. I mean, we're talking about the possibility they could get Shane Wright in a couple yeah, of years. Or even better in two years, Connor Bedard, who is, yeah. the, who is the next superstar in the NHL. They get him conversation can changes completely and they still have a chance to get austin matthews and pay him 20 million dollars a year they really do they have a chance i will <laughs> say that if they pay him 18 million dollars a year it's like it's like we said on the stream when we were talking about this when they came up for austin matthews to go from toronto who just has the most resources available to any player at any particular time to arizona who is about to get locked out of their own arena would be like, you better be paying me half the salary cap every season. Which they could do. Which they, <laughs> you know, they they might give it their, they might give it an honest shot. But so. We'll see. We'll see. But if you add like a Connor Bedard, a, um, why am I blanking on I just said his name. Shane Wright. Shane Wright. You add those players to the team, it's an immediate turnaround. Now I do think the NHL is rigged and I think they're going to give the first pick to Buffalo so Buffalo can get one of those players. Um, that Buffalo, that wouldn't be a very fun rig. They just got Owen Bauer. Yeah, but you know, no, if we're talking rigged, Montreal gets them. The drafts in ooh, Montreal this year, Montreal or New York, the Islanders get them. That'd be crazy. Yeah, I, I think if, you, if you're rigging the draft lottery, Montreal has to get it. It's their draft this year. Yeah, that's true. true. Yeah, that's true. But it, it's going to be, it's going to be a fun rest of the year. To circle back to the abs, they finished the road trip three one and one. Yeah, they finished road trip. Before we do that, I was I ran a sim on Tankathon for the draft lottery, and the Buffalo and New York won the lotteries exactly like you said. So you that- you can't script that any better. <laughs> so, but yeah, the Avalanche finished three one and one on the road trip, which is better than what we predicted. And after the debacle in Toronto and the mess of a defensive game that was Ottawa we come out of this smelling like roses and now we come back home to play Detroit, which you should win. And then you got two tough games against the Panthers and then a rematch against the New York Rangers, which will be must watch television. It's going to be, it's a tough week for the abs coming up next week. So really tough. We're going to see a lot of what this team's made of. You go Florida, New York, Nashville, Tampa. Yeah. Three of those games are at home, which is going to be good. Nashville on the road. Nashville's always tough to play at. Nashville is one of the tougher road games in the league. Yeah. It's a tough game, but again, I'm, I'm, if you go two and two or three and three Oh and one, another successful week. And this gauntlet of a month is slowly starting to wind down. And at the end of December is what I have my eye on. And I know I'm really looking ahead. You got Vegas on a Monday, which we're going to be doing a live stream for shameless plug. Um, and then you got Dallas and back-to-back games. So this month of December, it's not going to get any easier, but if the apps continue to play the way they're playing and score the way they're scoring, I don't see very many teams beating them. Yeah. I mean, you look at our last 13 games, we're 10, two and one. Like you can't, you really can't complain. We have played outstanding over the last little while. We did what I asked. We beat a really good team tonight. I don't care that they had their fourth string goalie. It's something we've had to deal with too. So you get no sympathy from me. So I'm satisfied at the moment. we got a fun game against Detroit coming up, and that's going to be a real tough week next week, and we'll get to see what this team is made of. But, Christian, I'm running out of gas here, buddy. I'm running out of gas too, man. I'm tired. 
we did the live stream. And then in the break between live stream and recording this podcast, I wrote a three page paper for my media class. And then we started recording right away. Then I started screaming about the NHL and like cavemen or something. I don't really remember. And yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little tired. I want to give one more shout out before we go. Shout out to all the people who did watch the live stream. Um, in the history of the hockey podcast YouTube page, we're going to have the most viewed stream in the pages history. So just a huge thank you to everyone who watched and to supports us every single episode and every single live stream. Um, this wouldn't be possible without you guys. And I know I speak for Griffin too. It is just kind of crazy to us that we're just two dudes talking about a hockey team. We love and people actually want to listen to us and watch us. So thank you. Yeah. And just a quick update on that, Christian, so I can get your live on-air reaction. We are 11 views behind most popular all-time. So, we're going to be well past it by the time we wake up in the morning. So, so, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank um, you to everyone who watched the stream. And thank you to everyone who made our last Leafs episode like already one of our most popular of all time. Thank you to everyone new who's tuned in. Thank you to everyone who's listened from the beginning. Like, we really just genuinely cannot appreciate you guys enough. You guys are the best. You guys are the reason we sit here and record every single night. And we love you guys, just plain and simple. You guys are truly the honest to God best. And we can't wait to talk to you guys again on Monday once we have the game against the Red Wings in the books. But that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast. Thank you so much once again for tuning in. You can follow us on Twitter at GYoungsNHL, at Christian underscore Bole, and at Teledabs Biz to follow everything going on with the show. So thank you all so much once again for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. Enjoy the rest of your week. Peace.